Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There is no time to wait, so let's begin. Hey all, welcome back, Startup Grind Global Podcast. This is Chris Jonu. And today, before we dive into uh, our episode, I did want to mention a great opportunity from our sponsor at Render Capital in Louisville, Kentucky. Are you a startup founder who could use $100,000? Answer's probably yes. If so, Render Capital wants you to apply for their 2021 Render Competition. The Render Competition invests $100,000 into eight early-stage startups each year to help them scale their solution and attract future investment. Your startup should be one of those startups. Anyone is welcome to apply. Applications are now open, and the deadline is May 6th. So not too far away. So jump on now and learn more about the Render Competition. Uh, that is at render.capital slash competition slash startup grind. I also have um, a direct link in the notes, but that's render.capital slash competition slash startup grind. Check it out. And today, a little bit, slightly, slightly different interview. We have Chris Doe, uh, founder and CEO of The Future. He's an Emmy award-winning designer and director and chief strategist of The Blind. And he's on a mission. It's a big mission. Teach one billion people how to make a living doing what they love. This really kind of resonates with me, and and yeah, I really appreciate people like Chris out there doing this, right? And particularly in the design industry, where oftentimes people with great skills and and skills that can create, you know, wonderful art, um, you know, do client work. Um, to pay the bills. Well, we all do client work to pay the bills, don't we? But um, and but the notion that we could perhaps you know be making a living doing what we love, just such a crazy crazy idea. Um, yeah, it's something that he's he's out to to kind of achieve. And um, so I wanted to just talk about his mission and and how you know we can help do that. I guess. Um, a lot of correlations I see between artists and entrepreneurs and the vision and execution and staying focused. So, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Chris, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I, um, I, I'm a fan. I, I, I think I, I caught um, one of your videos on um, Instagram strategy and um, I consider myself a designer. People don't know that, but I can do, I can do so many things, Chris, so many many things. Um, Excellent. And I wanted to just chat about, um, you know, the future, you know, your journey and, and, and the mission, love the mission. It's bold, it's big. And, um, and, and maybe it's just because you kind of got on my radar, but I think you kind of, you know, it it seems like you're, um, you're blowing up as well. Or is that just me? Because I'm, it's 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 it, your uh, your audience size is increasing significantly, right? Lately, yeah. You know, we go on streaks. And well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show, and I'm I'm glad we're able to have this conversation. I guess the question of blowing up or not, it just it's a 
it's a relative thing compared to Mr. Beast, who's on his way to hundreds of millions of subscribers. No, yeah. we're not blowing up. But compared to channels who talk strictly about design and the business of design and trying to help people with real information based on real experience, I think we're doing just great. Um, but I have to be happy and content with where we're at. And that's my life philosophy. Just keep working at it stay out of the results. And if you're if you stay in the game long enough, it'll eventually work out. All right, well, we've got lots to cover today. I'll, I'll, I'm going to jump around a bit because I usually start with, sure, with no the problem. background stuff. But as you're yeah. saying that, um, I am a creative and you mm -hmm. serve creative community, right? And yes. But you kind of walk this line with the, you know, how to help, um, I guess, creatives be entrepreneur, more entrepreneurial or think more, um, be a bit more business savvy, right? Um, but yes, which is a problem in itself for creatives, right? Like, um, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is, um, I've kind of got that that shiny, shiny, um, you know, the, what's that, that syndrome? Shiny where syndrome. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that is a, a creative curse, but you have this mission and you're kind of very focused on that. How do you stay focused? So that's a very long way of asking that question, but mm. I want to give the, the context for our, a fellow creative yeah. friends out there. I, I think it's pretty human to get distracted easily. We have short attentions and you know how you know is because the social platforms that keep coming out, it's creating content that's shorter and shorter and shorter. Before you know it, the new version of Twitter will be like six words and that's all you can do because that's how our attention span is narrowed. There's a constant competition for our attention and so they're doing things to pull us away. And to me, it's like if you're a sailor, the sirens and the sea lure you towards the rocks, right? You have to be careful not to get lured into it because they're seductive and they're haunting and they're, they're just pulling you in. It's so magnetic. If you have clarity of purpose, if you know where you want to be in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of your life, it helps you to know what direction to point. And I think that's really important. And if we're talking about travel, so we'll make an analogy here, we're talking about traveling, you're going to go from one coast to the next, a compass is going to be a really good thing to have because it's going to feel like a lot of times you're making progress, but you're actually moving in the opposite direction. And I believe in this, and that direction is more important than velocity. So what happens today? We get on to different projects, we have short-term success and reward, and it can feel like we're moving really fast. There's a period in time, and you know, I get called out on this all the time, when people are like, why aren't you on TikTok? Don't sleep on this, bro. Don't sleep on this. And I think it's just that allure again. People are blowing up instantly, and they're getting videos that have hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of views, and they're, they're getting followers instantly. And I just never am that interested in projects or endeavors that are so easy to get because... If I say you're a relatively young person, you have relatively little experience or talent and you're getting this kind of traction, what's going on here? I don't want to rush into that crowded place. It's like investment strategy. When they are buying, you should be selling. And when they're selling, you should be buying. You do the opposite of what the herd is doing. So that helps to make sure that I stay focused, that I'm heading in a very specific direction. And the ultimate byproduct of our success is that we're able to disrupt the education model that's been in existence for a couple hundred years. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's go back a bit to give um, a bit of context to the audience. So okay. can you give a little, so um, you were, your education was in design? How, what, 
give me a little bit of back, background of like where you grew up and 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 what you studied. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll do it kind of in a, in a linear way so it doesn't get too confusing for your audience. I am a first generation immigrant. I'm originally from Saigon, Vietnam, left because of communism escaped, actually not left. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, it was the option, the only option as far as my dad was concerned. I grew up in Northern California in San Jose, Silicon Valley, where tech and computers, that kind of stuff, uh, it's just part of everyday life out there. And eventually I found my way into graphic design, got a formal education from Art Center College of Design studying graphic design. And that's what I thought I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. But as it turns out, graphic design got me interested and introduced to other things like motion design, which is the combination of live action, editing, animation, and visual effects all rolled up into one. It was super exciting as a young creative person to be able to direct and put in air quotes characters on the screen to get them to do things, to get people to feel a certain way. And that was exciting for me for... 20 plus years so and then and then you, you you started then you started your agency or you went into corporate land how did your journey yeah start? so yeah yeah okay so my business my professional career is kind of strange and circuitous it's not this linear thing uh, one semester before i was about to graduate a friend of mine who um, i had a or an advertising class with she graduated before me and she needed a partner, an art director. She was a writer and they had offered a job and, and asked her, is there somebody she'd like to work with? She put my name in the hat. I submitted my portfolio, which in all honesty, I didn't have an advertising portfolio since I studied graphic design. I sent four pieces, literally four pieces, thinking this is the only work that I think is conceptual that can indicate the kinds of things that I can do. And I didn't expect to get the job and I got it. I flew up to Seattle and I started working the next semester. So I took a break from school. I was working and I started out with a salary of $40,000 a year, which is about $13,000 more than I thought I was going to make. Keep in mind, this is in 1995 when we were told by our department chairman, James Miho, he said, those of you that are lucky enough to get a job, you can expect to make about $27,000 a year as a staff designer. So I was like, 40,000, I'm already 13K ahead. This is amazing. And I'm working there. And within a few short weeks and months, my boss, Kevin, he had offered me a, a, you know, to stay on. And I told him, uh, I was thinking about going back to school. This is it. So he offered me, I think, 80 or $85,000 a year to stay. And now I'm blown away because you know they're paying for my corporate apartment. Uh, they're, they're flying me to places. They're giving me... Uh, like a cool office to work in. I was like, God, corporate America and advertising, this is great. Wow, I don't know if yeah. I can do design after this. And <laughs> here I am. I'm a 22, 23-year-old kid. Uh, how old am I? I'm 23, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm 23 years old. And the corporate apartment they leased for me is better than what I would call my home back when I was studying school. Uh, long story short, ultimately advertising wasn't a good fit for me because I felt stymied. I wanted to do more design work and a lot of advertising is very reductive. Like don't add anything unless it has meaning. And I, I just miss like, you know, because it feels right and I want to do that. And so I walked away from that. I graduated school and I, I got a job at Epitaph Records working at, in the in-house design department, mostly because a creative director that was working there I knew from school and I really admired. And mm -hmm. true story, 
couple of weeks into working there, he was let go. All right. So I'm like, now what? What am I doing here? I came here to study under this guy to like to glean whatever knowledge he had to share. So then I put in my notice and then left freelance around oh, wow. town for a little bit. Yeah. And I'm talking about just, you know, months after school here. It's not been a long time since I graduated. So we're talking about the summer semester. And then I got this opportunity to start my own company. I just freelanced for a, a few weeks at a couple different companies. And my, my uncle called me up and he's, and he's an attorney. And he said, I have a business partner. He develops hotels. He wants to, to create and own a design agency. Uh, he has a lot of work and you would just be his, uh, he would be your first client. I'm thinking yeah. this is fantastic. Not only was he going to give me money to start a company, he was going to give me work because basically as a partner of the company, he'd be getting some of his money back. So guaranteed client, um, doing it with my uncle, and this is going to be great. And then we're doing work and we're getting work and I'm not doing any work for uh, the this hotel person, a hotel developer, but I'm getting work and I'm hiring my friends. Things are going really well. I started thinking, I just made the dumbest deal um, in, in the graphic design business. I didn't need any of his money. I don't need any of his work. All I needed was to have the confidence that I could do this. Yep. And that initial investment that he gave to me of, uh, I think it was $10,000 or 5,000 was all the confidence I needed to go off on my own. So I was sitting there thinking, how am I going to get out of this now? Because he owns 51% of this business. And this is stupid of me for the rest of my life. This is what it's going to be. Now mm -hmm. luck would have it. His hotels were having some issues and he had much bigger fish to fry. He had never given me the rest of the money that was promised as an investment. So luckily, he basically the contract was nullified because he couldn't perform on his end. So I was free again as an independent designer and owner. And that's how the company Blind was born. And it was incorporated in December of 1995. It's something I've been running since. Incredible. And, and so... Can we can we go through the the journey of blind and there was um, um i watched a video where you were talking about how you had to overcome being an introvert and i want to just kind of because we're, we're sure. kind of getting on this thread you know this kind of theme around you know stretching right and getting out of our comfort yeah. zone and i want to kind of yeah make a point of it okay the reason why I got into design in the first place was because I like to work with computers. I like to have some control and have things work in a more binary fashion and not to deal with human beings. I'm a terribly awkward and shy person. I'm an introvert. I'm the person at the party where you're sitting there thinking, what is that weirdo doing in the corner who's just staring at his feet? Well, you forgot For that, much that, of my... you forgot that client stuck as well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I'm the guy in junior high and high school that was super self-conscious thinking, is anybody looking at me? This is weird. I don't want to be in the spotlight. Uh, I'll give you one example. Uh, in junior high, uh, my, my instructor asked us all to kind of sit around or stand around along the perimeter of the wall. And he would go through and give each one of us a word to spell. And if you couldn't spell it correctly, you would sit down. You would just go around around the room. And it was me and one other girl that was still left up there. And he gave us a word. I got it. She didn't. Uh, I was then unofficially our class representative for the spelling bee. And mm -hmm. he asked me, you're going to be the rep. And I said, what does that mean? He goes, well, you're going to do the same thing, except for it's going to be in front of people on stage. And he said, and I told him, I, I don't want to do this. And he's like, are you sure? He's like, I can't force you to do this, 
but it'd be really good for you. I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. And so he put the girl who was second place to represent us. And I'm not telling you a story to kind of build up some fake narrative. I'm just telling you to the extent in which I'm shy. I don't want to be around uh, other people. I, I just want to read comic books and hang out with a couple of my friends who I feel safe around. But otherwise, I don't, I don't want to do any of this public facing stuff. So it's kind of weird, right? That now I'm running a company. I have to deal with clients who have so much more power over you than say a bunch of strangers. But believe it or not, uh, at least for me, it's much easier to talk to a client than it is to talk to a bunch of strangers. And I'll tell you why. Because I know what the client wants. The client wants somebody to do their job. And I have enough self-confidence to know that I can do this job. So then it's just a, a question of what is it that you want to create? Because I can make you just about anything. I just have to learn what it is that you want. So client conversations have never been that difficult for me. Uh, initially it was because it was like, trying to win a hundred two hundred thousand dollar new business pitch and i'm a 23 year old kid you know pitching on things like for sun microsystem for nissan motor of america and it's like do they realize yep. i'm just 22 23 years old what is going on like how did i get here i have to pinch myself so you know once i figured out how to play the game of the new business pitch it wasn't really that big of a deal and then what kind of clicked in you the way you like wanted to you know, get, get out there, put your face out there and then talk about the stuff you're learning. I, I never wanted to do that. I love teaching and I love teaching at uh, the schools that I taught at, at Art Center, at Otis and you know, other places where I lectured because these were my people. This was my tribe. I was speaking about things that I knew about and I mm -hmm. felt comfortable sharing. When it came to recording your image and your voice and your face, for all the world to see forever. Because once it goes live on the internet, it can never really be taken away forever. Just ask a few celebrities, you know? It just can't be removed. Because if it exists, one copy exists, it means it exists forever. And it, it was because my, my friend and fellow Art Center classmate, Jose Caballero, he had insisted that we go and make videos together. And I refused and I tried to get out of it so many different ways, but he did something in a very generous way. He said, all you have to do is sit there and don't say anything until you, you feel safe enough to say something. I'm like, okay, I could do that. I could sit there like a monkey and not say anything. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I did. I just sat there, jaws clenched, you know, uh, shaking my leg, knees all bouncy and shaky, jittery. That's what I did until I felt like, okay, let me see if I can say my name. And that's, you know, even introducing myself was a challenge back then. And with each time you expose yourself to something that you're afraid of, as long as you don't die, you're gonna get a little stronger. It's like what they say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and it does make you stronger. And those stories that you tell yourself, the fears that you have slowly prove themselves to be unwarranted, unfounded. And eventually I'm I, like, I'm telling him, I'm kind of raising my hand to, to my friend here and saying, hey, I think I can do the intro. You mind? He goes, no, please do it. And so it's through that. So I, I consider that like my training wheels and riding my bicycle. And he was my training wheel partner. He just made sure I could do it before he let go. Well done. Jose, was it Jose? Thank you, Jose. Jose, Jose Caballero. Yeah. And, and then, and then, and then how do you kind of future emerge, the future emerge? 
The future emerged because initially in 2014, and uh, I think it's January 2014, we made our first video on YouTube together. He had been making videos for a year, two years prior to that. But it was my first time making a video with him. And we were partners in this endeavor called The School, and that was the first iteration. That was version 1.0 of the future. And we made videos together, we made a course, we built an education company, but it wasn't really doing that well. I think the first year we did something like $14,000 in the whole year. So it was just kind of like this weird side hobby that was consuming a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it got to a point of a little past two years that Jose and I started to have differences in our approach, our philosophy, our work ethic. And ultimately, we, we had to go, we had to go different ways. It was just like, I, I don't want you to compromise and I definitely don't want to comp want to compromise. And we're both entrepreneurs. We've both run companies before and we're too, both too stubborn people to kind of say like, let's do it your way. Mm -hmm. Like we would try that for a little bit and it would swing back and forth. And it wasn't necessarily a power play. It was just about if we're going to take a lot of risk, him or I, we need to do it on our own terms. And I told him at one point, I value our friendship more than this business separating business wise will allow us to preserve our friendship because I can see where this is going. We're going to start to resent each other and the friction and the tension that exists between us is only going to increase. So we did what smart people do. We split amicably. We chop up the assets and got attorneys involved and separated. And that was when the future was born. And then what kind of, how did you want to kind of, how did, it evolve, how did you want it to evolve? And what's for anyone that's not, like, not familiar with the future, can you kind of give it the 30-second mm -hmm. pitch? Yeah, so I think Jose's uh, timeline was much longer and broader than mine. Like He was comfortable it being a slow-growing, slow-burning thing. And, uh, and I think one time we were having some kind of heated debate about this. I said, I don't need another hobby, Jose. This is either something I do or something I don't do, but I have a lot of hobbies that don't cost me as much as the, as this operation is because we are putting a lot of our own money, personnel and people working on these things to make this stuff happen. And so this, I mean, it, it may seem coincidental or whatever. I, I, I can't say that some of this is not luck, but the first year in which we run the business, now we're, we're like making like serious money now. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but now we're like, in the $100,000 range. And it's like, oh, you know, this can pay for somebody's salary at this point. Here's the difference. I really wanted to build an education company that focused on the soft skills that aren't covered in school. I looked for the gaps that exist in the marketplace, uh, which is like, congratulations, you graduated. Now, what? well, I'm yeah. gonna help you. I'm gonna help you to figure out how to talk to clients, how to price your work, how to hold yourself and conduct yourself in a meeting and a conversation so that you, at least are an equal, if not holding the higher ground with your prospective client. And once we started doing that, I had complete control over the website, the social community, how often I wanted to do things, and the depth and degree which I want to go. Now, a lot of people that are listening to this, uh, even you included, uh, don't know something about me, which is I am a super hyper competitive person. Mm -hmm. I don't play for second place. Now, there's a mental game that I play inside my head, which is I want to be so good that I embarrass the other person for even playing the game with me. It's not to wish malice on the other person, but it's the standard in which I hold myself to and how hard I push myself. 
Yeah. And this is all an internal mental game. I'm not talking trash. I'm not dissing anybody. I'm not rooting for anybody to fail, but it's how I push myself. Exactly. So if they prepare one hour, I'm going to prepare 14 hours. And this is something I learned from being at Art Center, the rigor, the mental toughness and uh, stick to itness that I had to have to be able to compete. Now, mind you, in, in 2014, when we recorded our first video together, I was already 42 years old. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to be sitting around thinking like, oh, I wonder if I should do this or that. Like, this is it, man. I'm really... midlife here. I got to go for it. And was that, was that like, was it, was there a moment you can kind of pinpoint where you said like, thumb all in, you know, like, can you, can yes. you think back? To, yeah. I know exactly when I even know the, the, the month and the year. Okay. So December of 2018, I have two companies I'm running right now. Blind, the motion design company that I started since 1995. That was on average doing north of $4 million in buildings every single year as high as 6.2, $6.3 million. Wow. And then there's the future, which is starting to scratch a couple hundred thousand dollars and getting into the half million dollar mark at this point. And I remember talking to the team, which is my management team, and they're running jobs, uh, client work for brand strategy, for, for logo design, for websites and motion graphics projects. And we we're talking about how to generate more sales for blind. And it was Matthew Encino, who's my creative director at that time, said, hey, isn't it better for us to focus our energy on the future? Because if we can make a new course, if we can figure out something to like help us make the kind of money, the actual profit that we realize is far greater than anything that we could do as blind. And the cool part is we're building something that gives us financial reward every single day versus one time. When you do a client project, you make the money. You might make a lot of it at one point, but you never make another dollar after that unless you have some kind of royalty. Whereas with the future, if we create a course, if we create a video that gets a lot of views, it just keeps making money for you or it keeps building awareness or a fan base for you. And so he pushed me, he challenged me. So this is December, 2018. And it took me a couple of minutes into that meeting and I was doing it in real time. I said, you know what? You're right. Everybody, let's put our heads down. Let's send out a week's worth of emails or whatever you can do to generate any business for blind. And let's move our energy towards the future. And the challenge for us is to not do another piece of client work ever again. That was right. December 2018. With the exception of one or two lingering old clients, that was the last time we did client work. The ones you like. <laughs> the ones you actually like. What's that? You kept the ones you actually No, no, like. we don't do client. No, because <laughs> we even like client some clients and we turn them down. So in January, from January to about May of, of 2019, uh, we turned down $700,000 of work with clients that we love on projects that we die for. And it was hard to do initially. The first gig was for a $400,000 uh, job with an electronic company, a game manufacturer, a game company. And great relationship. We just had to say no. And it was like, can we do this, guys? And we said no. And it hurt. It hurt emotionally. It hurt financially. But we kept trucking on because we didn't want to have a backup plan. Yep. So when you paint yourself into a corner, when you burn the bridge behind you, there is no backup plan. You either succeed or you die.
Love it. Those kind of terms, you gotta you gotta win. You'll find a way. And all right, so I'm gonna definitely get into this right now, but I gotta I gotta backtrack just a little bit because I love this term. Um, I, I wrote it down. So when you were talking to your buddy Jose, I said, "Look, I've got enough expensive hobbies." <laughs> I love this idea. And how do you kind of like? It sounds like it's just I just go and you know kind of add my own aha moment. Shit, I've got a few of those myself. Um, so this kind of idea of expensive hobby versus having a business. How did you kind of get onto that? Figure that out. Well, there's things that are competing for your time always, right? Like I, I like watching mixed martial arts and I've spent a lot of money buying these pay-per-view fights and flying myself to Las Vegas and watching. It didn't make me money. Eventually it did, but that's another story for another day. I, I like working on, on my car, kind of like modifying it, getting new rims or doing something different. Okay, these are all things that were costing me money that I had a pretty sober relationship with, which was it wasn't going to make me any money. So when we get into making content on YouTube, I don't yet want another expensive hobby that is going nowhere because I'd rather concentrate on the other ones. If I'm going to spend, and we spend a lot of money, okay? Mm. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars in, in just labor, forget about the space and equipment I had to buy. And the value of me, uh, the opportunity cost of me not working on the actual business and working on the future. That was a lot of money I was throwing at this. I would rather just take $100,000 and buy like um, a couple of pages of original art from Jack Kirby. That would give me more joy if this was not going to go anywhere. So I needed to prove the business model really fast. And as it turned out, it did. Because when we focused up on it, we started growing 300% year over year in terms of gross revenue so let, let's let's talk about that now right like scaling in the future um yeah and, and so the decisions made you know we're all in and is that everyone like learning everything they can about youtube is that everyone figuring out like let's just quickly you know understand markets that are you know i think you said being underserved or whatever and and, and creating content around that how do you how did that transition happen? And then how did you, when did you start seeing it, you know, fly? Yeah. So the transition from going from being a service design company is blind, making commercials and music videos for clients to creating content for ourselves. So there was the monetization of the channel, the growing of the community, building an email list, and then ultimately building some kind of marketing funnel so that people can become aware of our products and buy them. That transition happened awkwardly because my team with the exception of one or two people who had been hired specifically to to do the future with me they're all coming from the client side so they're they're not used to this level of autonomy they're not used to creating content because that's what we feel like doing they're they're used to trying to hit a target uh, that somebody else has put up over them so it was a massive learning curve and not everybody that was on the blind side made it to the future side. Almost everybody did, but not everyone. So a couple of people said, okay, I don't see a future for me here. I, I don't want to get on this content train. I, I, I enjoy doing client work. And I said, thank you. God bless you. Uh, do the best that you can for whoever or wherever you go. And so mm -hmm. most everybody, I would say like 80% of the staff made it over. But for, I would say at least a year, people were still figuring out like, what is my job here? What am I doing? Like, when do I show up to work? And so some interesting things happened because we're a content company and we no longer have clients. We have customers, but we don't have clients. 
That means that we didn't need an, an office manager. We didn't need a receptionist. We didn't need a lot of things anymore. So a lot of the, the middle management people either quit or left or whatever. So it was just creators left and my accountant bookkeeper. That was the company now. And now they had to learn with me. And so we we're all kind of like uh, the, the blind leading the deaf, leading the dumb. Everybody's just trying to figure stuff out. My only directive at that point was I want to teach and make videos for YouTube. The rest of you help me figure out how to make money on this thing. And I just love teaching. So don't create things that get in the way of me teaching. Nice. And we figured it out. And look, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm working on a little creative project myself, um, partly because I'm being inspired by you, mate. So hats off. Um, but I'm convinced, you know, like as a, as a designer or as a, as a creator, um, that a lot of times there's a lot of us out there that, you know, got in, got into the business because they love to create art, right? Just hear me out yes. for a minute. And, and somewhere along the way, we compromised on creating our own art, um, mm -hmm. to pay the bills. And that meant taking on clients and stuff like that. And then slowly, but surely doing the stuff we love became more about the clients. And, um, and that's what I, you know, I, I, I the project I'm working on is, is trying to help create more revenue, you know, revenue streams for, for artists and designers so they can just create art. Um, and I think yeah. personally, I think it's a, is a problem with, with distribution, but um, can you kind of comment on that? Because as you're saying that I'm hearing the same thing, right? It's like, this is all I want to do. You take care of the rest. Um, but it's, it's essentially creating art, right? You've just, the medium you've chosen is YouTube, yes. but yeah. Yes. We're aligned there. So let me make a clarification on something. And here goes the big, like potential bitter pill to swallow for a lot of people. When you create art in any form, illustration, photography, design for a client who pays you on a commission process, it, 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 it leaves the land of art and moves into the land of design and commerce, and they're not the same. Mm -hmm. This is controversial, but I'm going to stick by this. What artists do is they have an emotion or feeling that they capture, and the success of which is whether or not somebody who looks at that or experiences it feels the feeling they intend to do. So if you feel what I feel, I would say that's art. And so you work on it for however long you want and you make what you make and you're done when you say you're done. Commerce, usually in the realm of graphic design, there's a timeline, there's a budget, there are benchmarks for success and definitely parameters for failure. You're not necessarily driving, you're helping somebody else to get to where they want to go. So a lot of times you have to leave behind your uh, your own design baggage because it doesn't serve the project or the client well. What do I mean by that? Like, Bauer Bodoni is a beautiful typeface with super thin serifs. It's a modern serif typeface. And it has a wonderful feeling. But it would be completely inappropriate, I think, if you were to use Bauer Bodoni for a rock band or a hospital. It's, it's too ornate. The serifs are too thin. And that's the problem with with design styles and aesthetics. It's not appropriate for all things. And we, we say that design should be about problem solving. Well, whose problem are you solving? You're solving someone else's problem. 
If you're solving your own problem, then I consider that art and keep it there and that's totally cool. So what you make for yourself, even though it looks exactly the same as what you make for somebody else, the relationship is different, the dynamic is different. So when you confuse those two things, as often creatives will do, you, you are in for a lot of heartache and frustration. One of the most common things we hear people say is this, oh, you know, the clients ruined the work. You've heard this. You might have even said this yourself. The clients ruined the work. How can they ruin the work when the work was created for them by their parameters for their problem? This is a self-centered approach and a reflection on, I think, an immature concept. Imagine going to um, getting your haircut from a stylist and they gave you the cut they want for you, not the cut you wanted for yourself. I'm pretty sure you'd be really upset. <laughs> yeah. And that's what designers do. That's what creatives do. Like, well, you know, they prevented me from doing the Mohawk. And it was like a person in their 50s and trying to be on the board of directors for some corporation. The Mohawk is cool. Not cool for this person. So once we can have a more mature relationship and understanding that art for commerce is no longer art, it's design, it's artful. It requires craftsmanship and skill and taste and all those things, but it's different. Now, getting back to your question, when I make a video on YouTube, even though it doesn't look like art, it's my art. Mm -hmm. And it's a very different feeling. So for 20 plus years, I made design for other people. Since 2014, I made art for myself. I have a feeling, I have an idea. I capture it in any way that I want with the tools that I have available to me. I put it out into the world and I, I ask, do you see what I want you to see? Do you feel what I want you to feel? Are you keeping what I want you to keep? And if it's successful, then more people watch it, just like a film, just like an art exhibition, a gallery, a sculpture that you make. When people from all over the world flock to see your giant umbrella installation, you could say that in some form you are successful because they've traveled great distances to experience this thing that you've created and they're feeling that. And yes, creating videos is my art form. So I got upset at my team uh, during one of our meetings and i said you guys are trying to get in the way of me making what i want to make i've spent two decades doing what other people wanted me to make it's finally my turn so please don't tell me what to do anymore you can do whatever you want just don't tell me what to do and that's the distinction you see how the attitude flips right there mm -hmm. so for 20 plus years i told the client something almost verbatim to this effect your opinion is the only opinion that matters in this room. I will do my best to advise you on what I would do given the circumstances, but you get to make the ultimate call. All I can do is advise you. You get to make the call. Yeah. That's a difference. And then do, and then do you, um, so do you do client work now? Um, and the reason I'll get, get there is, um, do you do stuff based on people coming to you for, from like loving the video in the future and like, I'm guessing it's a totally different client, but they're, they're, they're hiring, you know, you, the artist, as opposed to, you know, the agency, do you, do you still do stuff based on from the future that comes from the future? Uh, no, I don't, I don't do any more commissioned work where somebody tells me what to do. 
there's one exception here. I'll tell you to you in a second. So naturally, if you grow your channel talking about design and branding or whatever else, you get a lot of calls. I teach things about social media. I think that's how you found us, right? And yeah. naturally, people are like, can you do this for us? And I said, no, but even if I did, there's no way you can afford me. I'm sure of that. And then how do you know? How do you know? Because I turned away $700,000 client. Are you mm. telling me you could pay me more than that? Because I turned that one down. Mm. Like, no. See, so that's how I know. And and it's very liberating. I get people asking me all the time, help me with my logo, help me with this. I don't do that. What I do do is I do private one-on-one -on -one coaching. Mm. So what you've done is extens exten uh, extensibly. You've hired me for one hour at a pretty high rate. Currently, it's $1,500 an hour now. Well, I just sit and talk to you. So I'm going to sell you whatever conversation we're about to have and you prepay for this. The other way in which I have client work is we have sponsored projects where a big corporation will pay for us to collaborate with them and make something. They do have approval over the final cut in a couple like small areas, but we still get to say whatever we want. They'll approve it, but nobody's telling us what to do. And lastly... Yeah, yeah, I guess that's where I was headed with that one. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And lastly, I do get paid to speak. So where do they have control? They have control over the duration of the talk, the general topic or theme. And they do ask me to hit certain deadlines so they can review and make sure that there aren't any legal issues and things like that. Right. So I'm yeah. actually working with a multi-billion dollar brand right now where I'm doing content with them to help their community to, to learn how to be better on social media. And they're paying me six figures to do this. And so, yeah, I have to show up when I agree to, to the number of conversations that I'm supposed to. But other than that, I get to do what I want. Yeah. Plus you, you pick, you chose to work with them. Pardon yeah. me? But yeah, and you get, and you chose to, to chose to work with them. Yeah, I get to pick. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. That's not exclusive to me. You get mm -hmm. to choose who you get to work with. Even an 18-year-old yeah, kid who's making logos gets to choose. Absolutely. Yeah, I look, I, a reason I think maybe I think the, the better better way of phrasing it before was like collaboration mm -hmm. because I still get inspired by, um, you know, great brands and, and, and stuff like that. I think the, yeah. the, the kind of the, the reference I like to use, I'm not sure if you're familiar with these guys, Van Orton Design, but... Um, you can check it out, have a look. Okay. So they're, they're kind of these, these brothers that illustrate. And, mm -hmm. um, and I love the business model because it was they're just like, fuck, we're just going to design shit. Um, and they got this very unique style and then we just put it out on Instagram, put it out on Instagram again and again. And it took, they said then after a while, the clients came to them, but they weren't like, uh, you know, change the size of this and change the size of that. They were commissioning art. Right. And that's why I think it's yeah. like yeah, a great position to be in. Cause all right, yeah, we'll do a project for you, but this is what you get. We just, we, you know, you don't get to change anything. Um, your commissioning art. And I love that as, as like, as kind of what I, you know, the ultimate kind of my, my North star is to get to that, you know, what if that point. Um, so I yeah. guess it's, I guess it's collaboration, right. Or like um, commissioned rather than client. Um, yeah, it's a funny area, you know, like I don't, I haven't thought about it enough to put a label on it, but I still stand by. We haven't done client work with the exception of one or two very small, low level commitments that we had to finish out that we haven't taken on a client since December 2018. 
a person who is sought after for their personal style is still a person who gets paid to make something. And if they want to change it, they can't, right? So yeah. it's a fine line here. And I don't want to split hairs with you. I don't have any no, no, no. to spare. No, no. And, and <laughs> same, mate, same. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a stressful year too. Right. Um, so tell me, <laughs> tell me the bill, the billion, the billion, mate, the, the big mission. Yeah. And, and is that like, is, so when you wake up in the morning, do you, what, what's, what's the, the, like the, how do you keep yourself psyched and focused? And um, okay. is that kind of, you know, as you do more, it kind of becomes, you know, snowballs. How are you um, keeping yourself free from distraction? Yeah. So the mission is to teach a billion people how to make a living doing what they love. And it's important that you have a clear, clearly articulated mission that's easy to say and remember that you live to. Some people's mission statements, if you go on most corporate websites, are ridiculous and it has no image or reflection within what it is they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And if you ask employees and management what's the mission, they couldn't tell you to save their lives. And it was during a pretty heated debate between my um, my management team. They're like, Chris, what are we doing here, man? Are we trying to make a product? Are we trying to change education? What, what the heck are we trying to do? And remember, these are all still people from the client service world. And what's in my head hasn't been clearly articulated to them. And I had to just kind of like in an emotional moment say, look, if we do what we do well, uh, Ben, he's one of our, our um, management team. I said, your daughter, by the time she's 18, will have a viable alternative to the school systems that are available today. And it'll be by us or somebody we inspire. Mm -hmm. And his eyes opened up, he got a little teary eyed. And I said, that's our mission. Now I need to be able to articulate that in a way that people can understand. So I thought, I wanna teach a million people. That goal is too small because I mean, if you calculate by how many subscribers, how many views, hours, minutes watched, we've already hit that mark a long time ago. So just me and my round numbers, like let's just go up one zero or six zeros or whatever, and let's just go to the next level. So a million becomes a billion, a, a thousand million. Let's go for that. And why? Because I'm, I'm a big believer in this, that you need to have some big, big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG, a bag, to drive you forward, to compel you to get out of bed every single day, to force you to think bigger and to make hard decisions. I can, to, to this day right now, I could just stop doing whatever I'm doing and make an S load of money just living a lifestyle business. Let me put that in perspective. We have 380 people who belong to our pro membership community. It's where they get private coaching and they're just part of, 380 people pay me $150 a month to be part of this community that we run. And it's mostly just me talking to them and chatting with them and creating opportunity and safe space for them to explore and share. Hmm. That's it. So if you do the math, which I can't do right now, it's a little less than $60,000 a month. So nice. I do two phone calls, two Zoom calls that last uh, an hour and a half each, so three hours of work a month. And I can earn roughly fifty dollars to $60,000. Why am I telling you this? Because if my goal was to make money, to have an easy life, I think I got Tim Ferriss beat and he said four hour work week. How about a three hour work month? Yep. That's what I do. 
So it's not about the money. It's not about having this little community, but it's about driving us to solve a much bigger problem. And having this community gives us enough money to keep the dream moving forward so that I can hire, I can build out a team to help me scale. Right? This is a debate that happens at the Doe residence quite often where my wife's like, honey, why do you why do you do this? This is, sounds like torture to me. You would have the most amazing life. Are you kidding me? You work two days and three hour or an hour and a half out of those two days, you know, each. It's like, why would you want anything else? Because she doesn't understand. You're not done yet. I'm trying to fundamentally change something here. Not even close. Not even close because look, here's the deal. I can't tell you who it was, but I was talking to the chairman of a private art school, private design school here, uh, chairman of the board, big, big name, very famous school. And he says to me, just kind of private one-on-one, we're talking. And he says to me, the thing that keeps me up at night is the rising cost of tuition and how it's untenable. Mm-hmm. People are going to be defaulting on their student loans to go to private schools in some way that's going to make the last economic crisis look like a joke. People are stuck in debt for jobs that aren't, that don't exist, that will not pay them whatever they need to pay in order to get out of this debt. A semester going to design school at one of these fine design schools is somewhere between 20 to $24,000 a semester. That is an Ivy League level education without the Ivy League level job and paycheck to go. So you take eight eight, uh, semesters of this, right? That'll equal Mm -hmm. four years. You take eight semesters times, let's say $20,000 because the math will be easier. That's $160,000 in tuition alone. Forget about living costs, opportunity costs, expense books, food supplies, all those kinds of things you're going to be out probably $250,000, if not more. Now you have to pay that off after taxes. Oh my God. How is this going to happen? Okay. And then you want to like buy a place or you want to save up for a rainy day. Forget about it. Hmm. So it's um, immoral. I I get, I get it. I get it. It's, it's, it's fucked my, you can say it. Well, I already already swore a couple of times. Well, I'm thinking it, but I can't say it. I don't I don't, I don't use that kind of language. <laughs> uh, let me do it for you. I get in trouble all the time. Yeah, you did. But they, mm-hmm. but they, but they, 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 they kind of, um, they think it's because I'm Australian. I get away with quite a bit. It's all right. Um, let me ask you my a, a, a tricky one. But um, okay, yeah. So I. Um, you know, I, I interview a lot, of, a lot of people, and a lot of times it's the biography, and they're always, you know, successful people because I want people to learn something, and I want them to, you know, leave inspired. So the the journey is pretty pretty similar, right? It's kind of like the garage to the billion dollar billion dollar company. Um, in, in this case, you got millions of followers and a, you know, a great business and and a bold mission. If you could rewind that, and there's Chris Chris Doe. Uh, you know, young, uh, you know, twinkle in the eye, I think you said, you know, 2015. What, if you look back, what were the pivotal moments? What were the key things you needed to do to start again to be, get where you are faster? Okay. 
Where do I get to rewind my career? 1995 or 2014 when we first 2014. I'm going to about to cross. Okay, 2014. Okay, Jose's like, hey, Chris, what are we going to do? If I could travel back in time and tell myself, hey, dummy, here's what we're going to do. I would say, let's take this video content creation thing seriously. Don't do this as a hobby. Get over yourself. I know you don't like the way you look or sound on camera, but eventually you'll get comfortable with this. Put in the time and energy to be able to do this thing right, to really respect the time of your audience to write, produce and edit valuable pieces of content to help them grow. Stop selling stuff, just serve your community and you'll grow really fast. And you need to do this by yourself because you don't play well with others. You don't compromise. So don't do that again. (laughs) Nice. Let's serve serve your community, respect their time. I love it. Chris, um, Thank you very much for joining me. Um, love the chat. Um, and um, yeah, hope to meet you in person sometime and do it for real. Um, thank you. Thanks, Chris. It was a pleasure. And I feel like this is real. It's virtual, but it's still real. But I'll see you in person one day. Absolutely. And then and then just anyone that doesn't know, right? Just the future. Come see you at the future. Take a yep. course. Be inspired. I definitely say check mm-hmm. out the YouTube channel. Lots of great content there. You, you're fr- yeah, feel free. I would just say, promo. Do the promo, mate. <laughs> okay, I'll do the promo. I'd say if any part of this conversation intrigues you and you're curious about who this weirdo is that you just listened to, I would say just pull up a chair, park yourself in one of our many social channels, but I would recommend starting on YouTube and you can find us at the future. The future is spelt without an E. It's F-U-T-U-R, future. And somebody asked me, where did the E go? I said, we dropped the ego. That's it. The future. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at any event in a city near you. Until next time. Chase the vision and keep hustling.